think that people are writing off what a Davis Mills-led Texans team could do to a Titans team. And my evidence for that is taking folks back and reminding them what he has done to them in the past. And welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Publishing Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. This is the show for Friday, December the 15th, recording live here on a Thursday evening before Thursday Night Football, as we always are at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. You can follow up on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, it's good to be back here at Boomba's. How are you, my friend? I'm great. And, you know, Boomba's tonight is bumping a lot of people. It is. Uh, a lot of people probably out doing their holiday shopping and whatnot, and they decided to come down and come hang out at Boomba's Craft Pizza they're and Tap House because Lord knows. I asked all of them. Yeah, the Lord yeah. knows they're not here for the Thursday night football tonight. Well, that is for they're sure. They're here for us. They're here for the food. They're here for the drinks. Uh, not maybe the here for the televisions that aren't showing. I don't know what else is going on tonight, but the football game itself is probably low on the order. Got a little Easton Stick action versus uh, who's the other quarterback? Probably Aiden, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden I don't O'Connell think we know yet. Mark, Raiders Chargers tonight. No Josh Jacobs. Uh, it's going to be a time. I, I tell you what, it's it's always funny. It feels like once a year, the past couple of years, Easton Stick has been in the conversation nationally because he's been in for a hurt Justin yep. Herbert. And it is the I'm somebody that you know. How many Eastons do you know? Like I would imagine I'm probably the only one you know personally. Easton Corbin is a country singer. I don't know who that was. Exactly. There's Easton Stick, quarterback and quarterback for the, the Chargers. Before I met you, I think the only Easton I knew was the absolute monster of a of a aluminum bat that I used to be right, swinging around. Right. Or in, your uh, hockey stick, perhaps. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That It's weird for me because I've always had a name where I'm not used to hearing, hey, Matthew, hey, Kevin, hey, John, out in public. I'm sure when you have a more common name, that's commonplace for you. But on the rare instance when I hear my name said not to me in public, it, it's very it's it is a massive double take. And so all week long, every sports show I watch or listen to, I hear Easton Stick mentioned and I hear my name and it just weirds me out. I'm not used to that. It, Stephen A. Smith saying my name is not a thing that I hear ever. Right. Like so that catches me off guard. Regardless, we are getting so sidetracked here at the top of the show. Thank you so much for joining us live. Those of you that are already tuning in a couple of things before we dive into all things. Oilers Texans, a little shootout here in Nashville coming to us on Sunday afternoon. Should be a good one. We're going to be talking about whether or not the Texans are bringing a Davis Mills shaped knife to a gunfight in this one. Um, kind of disappointed personally that we're not getting a Stroud versus Leather showdown, but in terms of the Titans' odds to win the game, does not hurt. Davis Mills is in the rotation. We're going to talk about that. Although I do think, and one of the things we're going to discuss today primarily, I think that people are writing off what a Davis Mills-led Texans team could do to a Titans team. And my evidence for that is taking folks back and reminding them what he has done to them in the past. So we're going we're gonna to dive into all of that today. Before we do, as well as the news of JT and the Best Bet Gauntlet, of course, not the very the Best Bet Gauntlet, where we continue to make ourselves and you all money that are smart enough, wise enough to tail our money-making ventures here on the show. All of that and more. First, if you're watching live, do us a favor, head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, that's great and awesome. Leave those places. Go to YouTube. Find this live stream there. It's the best viewing experience for you. And it's where you'll be able to be, able to be a part of the conversation, like our buddy Joseph, who's already in the comments, and Stoney, 
welcoming us, the Boom Boys, as he has dubbed us, back to his, I'm assuming, television in his home on this fine Thursday evening. Stoney, happy to have you with us. Happy to have all of you with us that are here. And we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments on this game in the comment section of that YouTube video. And while you're there, the biggest favor you can do us is hit that subscribe button, the Broadway Sports Media's Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. Um, if you can subscribe there, try to get that number up as much as possible. It is free to you. It's very helpful to us. So thank you in advance for doing that. And if you wouldn't mind hitting like, hit retweet, hitting, uh, hitting, hitting uh, follow if you're on social media, whatever you can do to help us share this show, get as many live eyeballs on it as possible, that would be very helpful as well. Okay. Before we dive into everything, the last thing we have to do is give a proper shout out to our wonderful and amazing sponsor here, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. As we mentioned, the best viewing experience, in my opinion, of any sports bar in the Nashville area. They've got fantastic televisions, a fantastic selection of local and domestic options on tap for you to drink from, and a fantastic selection of food on their menu. We love everything about this place, and you will too. Three locations in the Middle Tennessee area in Spring Hill, which is our home base here as well as in East Nashville and Murfreesboro. Check them out. It's Boom Boss, Craft Pizza, and Tap House. All right, all of that housekeeping out of the way, JT. Let's dive into some... Let's start with some stats today on this, this game. Um, we've got a couple of stats and info that are worth mentioning. Every week when we do this in, in our preview show, we are pulling some information from our own research, some information from the research that the Titans research department does very well. They, they send out to us, those of us in the media to uh, relay to you folks at home. And we were surprised earlier today that one stat that is the staple. It's the go-to statistic in this matchup was not included on that sheet that was sent to us talking about Derek Henry, who I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, he's got a little bit of a track record against this team. Uh, he tends to what's the, what's the child appropriate way to say this tends to really mess up the Texans when he plays them. I think that's going to be an interesting observation oh, today. As I guess well. you could. Oh, own. he owns the Texans historically. Whether he will or not in this game is an interesting conversation based on the fact that this is the first time he's played the Texans where there's a bit of a split backfield situation. So will that magic be split up between players? Will it be a vintage Derrick Henry game once again? Uh, will it continue this trend of less Derrick, more Tajay? I don't know. We're going to, we're going to discuss that. Um, but some stats that we were given and that I think are interesting enough to relate to you all at home, the Texans have allowed their opponents to be successful on 40% of plays this season, which is tied for seventh best in the NFL. The Titans, for their part, have been successful on 38% of plays they have run the season, tied for the fourth worst in the NFL. So that's a bit of a immovable object meets uh, unstoppable force situation. Something has to give in that regard. Another one, the Texans have allowed 3.2 yards per carry. When defending rushes uh, up the middle to running backs this season, tied for the second best in the NFL, which is along uh, the lines of that discussion regarding Derrick Henry's performance in this one. The Titans, for their part, are averaging 3.5 yards per carry on rushes up the middle, tied for fourth. Worst in the NFL. A lot of that can be attributed to that little lull when they were missing tier tart in the middle of the season and allowing anybody and everybody to have whatever they want between the tackles. One last statistic for you. The Titans have thrown for 20-plus yards on 15 of 116 total passing attempts since Week 11, which is fourth best in the NFL. The Texans have allowed 20-plus yards on 12% of attempts since Week 11, tied for third worst in the NFL. That's the one that I find most interesting, and that is the one that is going to tie most directly into the conversation of how 
this Titans offense matches up with this Texans defense. Spoiler, I think it's a very good situation for the Titans um, if if how the Texans have run their defense so far this season is any indicator of how they're going to play on Sunday. But first, I want to talk about the pettiness. and Let's talk about the least consequential topic revolving around this game. We're not going to talk about the X's and O's. We're not going to talk about the players. We're going to talk about the jerseys, the uniforms they're going to be wearing. And this is the, the primary topic this week because it's the all-time petty move by the Titans. And I don't mean that negative. I support this 100%. I think we were calling for it before the schedule came out. We said, hey, y'all have said you're going to wear these throwback uniforms twice this year. If one of them is not the Texans' home game, I don't know what you're doing. And they were smart enough to do that. And so you're getting a little Titans wearing the uniform that the Texans fans have grown up knowing and loving and are salty still to this day over, I guess, them deciding not to pay for a new stadium, which is their own fault. But we don't have to dive into all of that. The point is it belongs to the Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Oilers, which a lot of Texas, my favorite thing in the world is when a Texans fan or a Texas native online likes to tell you, why are they wearing the Oilers uniforms? They never were the Oilers in Tennessee. Yes, they were. Yes, they, yes, they were. Um, so they are the Tennessee Oilers this weekend against the Houston Texans. And it has folks in a tizzy. I had some uh, multiple people get on to me uh, earlier this week on social media. I, I pointed out in the post-game uh, locker room speech from Mike Vrabel last week, uh, last Monday night, after the Dolphins win, he told his players that he might be wearing a, a cowboy hat in the honor of former Oilers legend Bum Phillips, the, the old head coach who had a very unique look on the sidelines. We're still actively trying to hold him to that. Um, today, I'm not super confident that's going to happen based on his remarks, but I'm going to be very disappointed if he doesn't. I'm hoping he has enough players in his ear saying, you have to do this. Like, we're going to make you do this here. We're going to go buy you a hat. But regardless, folks, they're, they're, um, the line they were going with on social media, not only are they mad about this, but they're saying that they're mad, they're mad about the jerseys. They're also mad about the Bum Phillips, uh, like this cultural appropriation that, that Mike Vrabel is threatening. Is that what this is? Uh, they got mad at me for spelling Bum Phillips' name wrong, which I'm aware has two L's in it, but my phone at this point autocorrects to one L because Kyle Phillips is the only Phillips I'm referring to when I'm typing, so sorry about that. Um, the, the point is that's been their line, um, and it's very silly. Do you have any thoughts on the pettiness of this before we talk about uh, what I think is maybe a more important petty topic, some revenge game situations? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is just like... it. it the, the pettiness doesn't really have a backing, you know, like there, there is no backing for the, for this pettiness because after all it is the Tennessee Oilers. They, this, this franchise moved from, uh, from Houston to Tennessee. And why um, do they do that? Because the good people of Houston <laughs> refused to build them a stadium. And then this team, and then Houston got another team. So that, that is the team now. It, it, and it's, um, it's not like the Texans have any affiliation to, to what that, Houston Oilers team was because it's an entirely different franchise with an entirely different history. Um, so that's what I'll say on that. But uh, once again, I think it's pretty silly. It, it is silly. Stoney in the comments pointing out that putting Billy White shoots Johnson in the ring of honor this weekend, which the Titans are doing is pretty savage as well. A player that his entire career was spent in Houston as a Houston Oiler. Uh, but too bad. So sad. He's getting put into the ring of honor of the franchise that he played for. Yellow to wall. Um, okay. What I do think is petty and important in this game little petty, little substantive. There are some revenge games here, the least of which I would say is Robert Woods against the Titans. He was barely a Titan. 
Uh, it was a, I mean, he, he had a cup of coffee here. He's done better a year removed from his year removed ACL, yeah, a year removed from the year removed from the ACL surgery, which most players tend to do in Houston. He's also got, a, I think, a, a better passing situation on that team this year with CJ Stroud than he had last year with the offensive line and Ryan Tannehill. So that's one. But for the Titans part, what I find really interesting is this is the first time this year that both Tim Kelly and DeAndre Hopkins get to play their former team. And they both have legitimate reasons, very different reasons, but legitimate reasons to have circled this game, I think, pretty early on in their calendar. We know the DeAndre Hopkins story, how Billy O'Brien was not a huge fan of DeAndre and shipped him off for a hill of beans. And that was a whole ordeal. And they also then likely probably slandered him and started this narrative that he doesn't like to practice and that he's not a, like a team guy. Like all of that came out of Houston. There's bad blood there obviously. So I'm sure DeAndre has this circled. But with Tim Kelly, I think it's lesser known. He was a guy that could have been interviewed for coaching positions, maybe head coaching positions, around the league when he was still coordinating for the Texans a couple of years ago. Most famously to Titans fans, Mike Vrabel tried to interview him for the open uh, head, uh, offensive coordinator job when Arthur Smith left. And the Texans denied that interview. When you have the rights to a, a guy under contract, you don't have to let them go interview. The Texans did that to Tim Kelly. And whether or not Tim Kelly's upset about that, I don't know. But that certainly, I could see you being upset about that. And I could see him having this game circled as well. I think that both of them are going to come into this game with a little bit something extra, motivation-wise, in this, in, in this matchup. Is, am I off base? Am I reaching on that? Um, I think at least for DeAndre Hopkins, I think it means something. I'm confident it means something um, to DeAndre, yeah. This isn't the first time DeAndre Hopkins has played his former team, the team that drafted him, and he really uh, has come up in the league with. Um, the last time he played against the Houston Texans, he went seven on seven catches on nine receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown. Okay. I think it's more about the pomp and circumstance of it all this time, wearing those Houston Oilers jerseys, mm -hmm. going up against this team, uh, a, a, a Houston Texans team that has some ambitions that I don't think were very much um, there at the beginning of the season. And, and especially as coming off a big win like last week, I think it definitely means something for him. It also means, uh, I think for Tim Kelly at least, it's a chance for him to to get things going in the right direction against a divisional opponent. We've seen this year so far how this Tennessee Titans team has very much struggled against their defense, their divisional opponents. So if anything outside of the struggle is a kind way of saying uh, they haven't won one. Yes. Yeah. Um, it'll be important for him to to get going against a divisional opponent. Let's talk about that opponent and, and what I alluded to earlier from a 10,000-foot view, schematically, how is this Titans offense going to match up against this Texans defense? Uh, if, if you caught a football show earlier today, I was listening to that on the way here, and they they beat me to the chase on this one, and, and Zach actually did a better job than I did. He, he pulled up some of the, the PFF charting numbers, some of the statistics on this. I did not do that. So if you want the specifics, you know what? Great opportunity to advertise a show here on the 440 Network. Check out a football show after this one. Um, but he talked about, rightly, how this Texans team Sneaky, defensively, has been extremely zone-heavy this year. It's not a bad thing. Uh, we, we know other teams. I mean, the team that you think about, at least when I think about, who's a really zone-heavy team? There are certain guys in the NFL who come to mind before D'Amico Ryan's defensive unit. Uh, but this, this 
this Texans unit this year has run zone in in the 70s percent. I think it was 74 percent of their defensive snaps, something in that area, uh, have been zone looks. And that is very good news for the Tennessee Titans, whose receiving core at this point are kind of famous for not being good at separating. Like that's not clearly not their thing. The guy that you could point to and say he's kind of their only receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, happens to be the worst or one of the worst guys on the team at separating. Um, and so that's not their jam. When they get a, a man-heavy team, they've struggled uh, to produce in the passing game. But against zone, this receiving core has been dramatically, dramatically more effective. Um, you, it, part of that is just having a wily vet like Hopkins who – his game is predicated on, I know how to exploit your defense when you're in zone. I can find that soft spot. I can sit down right here. I can I can look off a man and get him to step in the wrong direction, commit to the wrong part of the zone, and I'm going to get open, or I'm going to get my buddy open who's lined up next to me. He, he, he's on that. He's, he's on it, and, and, and that's going to be something that you see a lot this weekend. But um, I, I think that that's going to help a guy like Will Levis as well uh, not make it easier for him. When I, when I say help, I mean – this is a good opportunity to um, work on reading zone coverage. I, I I think in general, it's probably easier for guys in the passing game when you know you've got a man on a man, a hat on a hat, and you just got to get to the open guy as opposed to you've got to know which look they're in. You've got to know which style of zone you're getting. You've got to be able to predict which defenders are responsible for which areas and predict which of your guys based on the route tree are going to come open. That's mentally challenging to, 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 to the layman you can think about that and say that makes my head spin a little bit so that, that's good opportunity for him to to exploit that and it's a good opportunity for some of these receivers who again deandre is not the only guy that doesn't separate super well on this team it's all of them um so it's an opportunity for some of these guys to get going in in that regard i'm curious to see all of that being said whether or not the texans they're not dumb they realize this do they switch things up and go to a more man heavy game plan against this Tennessee team or do they stick to their guns? I'm not sure if they have the the talent required on the defensive side of the ball to do that. What are your thoughts on on that look, the offense on defense? Yeah, I, I think the best way to put it, they do have some some good guys on, on that secondary. Jalen Petrie has always been good uh, for them. Derek Stingley in this year has shown flashes, but to be honest, why that zone works is because the sum is greater than the parts I think for, for this Texans secondary unit. And that's why they're able to work so well in zone. So if they do go away from that, I still think that the advantage still goes to Deandre Hopkins because I think he is more of a seasoned veteran and is more established and, and has the ability to still create separation. If they do move over to that um, man coverage, but this secondary unit is better when they work together. So I think it's hard for me to see them moving away from so much zone that they've already used against plenty of teams that have more weapons than, than just DeAndre Hopkins. I think you probably will see once again, unfortunately, this, this Tim Kelly offense use Traylon Burks again as kind of a, a, a distraction as to, to make space for, for others. It, while I would love to see him actually get involved in, in this passing game, right. he had, it, it can't be understated that he has provided opportunities for his fellow teammates when he's been doing that. So I expect to see that uh, some more. And then sneakily, I think NWI could have another good day, uh, sure. funny enough, against this Texans team. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, 
got a lot of different thoughts here and a lot of different directions we can take this. So I'm sorry if it's kind of herky jerky. Um, let's talk about Davis Mills real quick. This is another big one that I, I find interesting. A, a lot of folks are writing off this Texas team or, or chalking it up to a win um, because of the fact that you're getting Davis Mills, not CJ Stroud. And certainly that's a big deal. There's a reason why. We'll get to it later in the Best Bet Gauntlet. We've told you to take the Titans under the three if you're betting them because they were sitting there at one and a half, two, two and a half. They moved to three after today. You saw CJ Stroud is not practicing again, which means he's unlikely to play this weekend. Very unlikely. Um, and, and because of all of that, for good reason I, in general, they're, they're thinking this is going to be a much easier task for the Titans defense and for the Titans team as a whole. That's fair. What isn't fair is to write off Davis Mills as an Easton Stick situation. Um, not to denigrate my namesake. I'm very sorry, Mr. Stick, um, fellow Easton, but it's it's different. Davis Mills has played this team three times before. If you go back and look, I think folks have kind of forgotten um, what a not just a, a Davis Mills-led Texans team against the Titans looks like, but specifically a worse Texans team like C.J. Stroud was not the only upgrade this Texas team has sustained this season. They've got much better coaching, and they've got better personnel. So this is the best Davis Mills-led team this Titans team is going to be seeing. Last year, the most recent time they played, Davis Mills played the Titans uh, at home, the, 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 excuse me, the, at, at uh, Nissan Stadium here in Nashville, a home game for the Titans where the Titans lost 19-14, one of those games at the end of the year where they were on a losing seven-game losing streak. Uh, Davis Mills, 17 of 28, 60% completion, 178 yards, a touchdown and interception. Before that, let's see, last year uh, they they lost to the Titans um, in week seven. He went 17 for 29, 152 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Again, not daunting. But that was was a 17 to 10 loss. That was uh, to the, the Malik Willis Titans where they just ran the ball down yes. the Texans. I don't think the Titans are quite that same running team anymore. Actually, I'll go ahead and sit on my chest. They're not that same running team anymore. Um, and then if you go back even further, the third game that Davis Mills played against the Titans, which I'm pulling up which here. Which is his best, arguably. 100% yeah. his best personal performance. Uh, he played them at the end of 2021, the 2021 season in January of 22. It was that game where the Texans gave the Titans a scare for the one seed. The Titans were going to get the one seed wrapped up if they just won that Week 18 game. It was a 28-25 win for the Titans, but Mills went 23 of 33, nearly 70% passer rating, or excuse me, uh, completion percentage, 301 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. That's what he's capable of against this Titans team. He's gone one and two, but he's had a, a, a good game in there, and he's got a win in there. And again, can I stress this enough? He's on a much better team now than he was then. That being said, folks in the comments, chime in on this if you have thoughts. Uh, but JT, what are your thoughts on, I, I, I feel strongly that people are underrating what this Texans team can do against this Titans team with Davis Mills. And let's bake in the fact they're arguably the more desperate team in this matchup. They have playoff aspirations. They're in that muck of 19, I think it's, is it 19 or 20 AFC teams? Something like that. Uh, they're all right there within one, one of each other. They all could get into the wild card. They need to do that badly. They're going to do everything they can to win this game, even with the backup quarterback. Yeah, I think it's it's not easy to count him out. I think with given his track record, I think also to the point of why people are kind of counting him out. It's because, and this will be something 
uh, that we talk about a little bit later in the news, just how many injuries this team is plagued with. That offense that looked very, very good with C.J. Stroud is not going to have three of their top best playmakers this upcoming week. Um, spoiler alert, there's a very high chance that the Robert Woods is the number one wide receiver this week for Which will be poetic Texans. When, he, when he goes off for 128 yards so, on interceptions. In in that sense, yes. If 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 the Houston uh, if the Houston Texans can can pull out a win where Davis Mills and and uh, Robert Woods look like just absolute uh, beasts in this game, right? Good for them, man. But like, good for them. Bad for the Titans. Yes. Titans need to make them look like the pumpkins that they are. Yes, that's that's the the long and short of it. And um, the guy that can help do that is Derrick Henry. So let's talk about him and what his impact in this game can be. You tweeted out earlier today a a reminder for everybody what Derrick Henry has done just on the ground, just his rushing yards in his last five games against the Texans. One of the single most impressive statistics in all of football right now. His last five games. 211, 212, 250, 219, and then a, a measly 126. Rushing. And then I, I asked, I asked the question, what do you think Vegas would set the over under on his rushing yards this this uh, you know, this I, week? Do you know what it is? I do know. I now. do not. They, they just me, said it earlier. Let me guess. Today. So this is this is along the lines of our conversation because it's going to be less with Tajay a, a part of the game plan with Derek and in particular this offensive line not being super conducive to his style of success not not it's 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 hard to talk about it because when you say derrick henry isn't playing as well he's, he's still getting like 50 60 70 yards at least in most of these games um so it's by his very lofty standards i'll guess the over under rushing yards is 67 Man, you should be setting lines. It's 66 and a half. Is it really? Yes. No, I okay. So I swear I didn't look it up. That's really impressive. So I guess I'm taking the over technically. Uh, but that, yeah, wow. I, good night, everybody. It's been yes. this, uh, for, for producer JTM, your host, Houston Priest. Um, so, okay, that makes sense. Do, do you happen to know what Tajay's number is? Set I at? do not, but I can look it up. You here. look that up. Uh, it's curious. 24 and a half. Okay, so they're expecting about 100 rushing yards out of this Titans team, give, give or take 90 to 100 rushing yards. Um, and for most to come from Derrick Henry. Again, this is not the same offensive line that the Titans have had in the past in the run game, and it's not certainly not the same defensive line, run defense, that this this Texas team has had in the past. They're not the walkover. that they, I mean, those four games in a row where Derrick Henry, for two straight years, rushed for north of 200 yards against that team, week in and week out, that, that defensive line is gone. That's not a thing anymore. Now, injuries are a factor for this defensive line for the Texans, so maybe that changes things. What are you expecting from Henry and Spears this weekend? Do you think it looks like what we saw on Monday night where you've got a heavy Spears game plan? And, of course, we, we know this is all dictated by game script, right? You're going to get more Spears if they're down. You're going to get more Henry if they're up, I think. I think. What do you anticipate happening with those two? Well, like we said earlier, I think the three stats we kind of laid out at the beginning of the show are kind of three important keys to the game. They love um, this season to really try to get Henry rushing up the middle. Don't allow him to get to the outside yep. very often. Um, and this is a Texans team that has uh, is the second best at defending the run when you are trying to rush it up the middle. So uh, obviously, I think with some of the injuries that, that this Texans front seven is going to have, as well with this offensive line for the Titans just playing objectively better at home. Yep. Um, it's going to be important that 
Derrick Henry at least makes an impact in some way. But I do also expect Tyje Spears to continue to, to, like we said on our show earlier this week, continue to get his carries as Tim Kelly finds the sweet spot of using both Tyje Spears and Derrick Henry. I agree. Um, Stoney in the comments asking if Easton is chugging a pint of straight vodka. No. Um, but wouldn't that be impressive? It would be impressive. If I could do that with a straight face. Yeah. You know me well enough to know that's not possible. No. Um, Stoney, you should know a thing or two about me. I am, that ain't my game, boss. Uh, I would be. You wouldn't want to hear me talk or make noises if I was doing that. And Kenneth says in the in the chat here, Henry has officially reached short yardage slash goal line back status. Um, he says, please stop slamming him into the line and giving Levis in third and eight and third and seven. So let's talk about that because I, I, I do find that fascinating. And we talked a little bit about it on Monday where he is kind of in that Zeke Elliott to Tajay's Tony Pollard role that we saw with the, the Cowboys the last two seasons. Um, I think that, this will be a good. This game will be a good litmus test for whether we're fully there yet or not. I do agree that in the first quarter, in the first half, but specifically at the beginning of the game, when they just pound Henry and try to establish the run up the middle, like I'm with you. That's I think that's fruitless. It's silly. I do think that he can still be. I I I don't think he is like Zeke, who truly had just like just didn't have the juice anymore at the at the end of his Cowboys run. It's not like that with Henry. Um. I think that, yes, he's going to continue to be best used on the goal line. Sure. And short yardage. Sure. But I think if you utilize him wisely in a game, assuming it's going to plan and you're not getting blown out or killing a team, when you get to that second half, in particular, that particularly that fourth quarter, if you've used Henry enough here and there in those goal line spots and those short yardage spots in certain looks, maybe two, two running back looks, and you've worn down a defense, like the Titans, you know, built their success on in the recent past, throwing him against the line for three quarters and then just having him eat in the fourth quarter when the defense is just tired of a, 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 a dump truck running them over every play. I think he can still be utilized effectively in that way. It just requires being patient with his usage and rolling out the red carpet for him in that fourth quarter. Again, if you can afford to in terms of the, uh, the score on the, on the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally there. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Tajay Spears is used once again at home um, because we, we have we have moved uh, away from, from the stat that 20 carries guarantees you a Derrick Henry win, which right. is, yeah, I'm very glad that we've done that. God bless, um, yeah. But I, I think that you, you're right. You, in, the, in the first couple of drives into this game you're still going to see Derrick Henry trying to establish that run and he may he may very well be able to do so this week with how banked up the the Texans are Willie G in the comments saying I thought we moved Henry to wide receiver yeah I mean based on what we saw on Monday night yeah he's a wide out now um we'll see if that continues <laughs> all right uh that's about all I have in terms of breaking down the matchup there, there's some more things we could dive into but nothing that I think really warrants our our precious listeners time Let's talk about some news. We've got some more statistics and, and some news items, including the injury report. So without further ado, here's producer JT with the news. Yeah, let's talk about the injury report here. And uh, we're going to start with the with the Titans side. Um, a couple of guys who were limited in practice today. Um, Anthony Kendall with a, with a knee. Kayvon Wallace was actually full. Uh, Derek Henry limited, as well as Aaron Brewer and Danico Autry both popped up as limited. So that was... 
good for them to be out there today. Um, a couple of guys who did not practice today, Jack Gibbons, who is now listed two DMPs along with, with Kyle, a back injury. with a back injury. Right, okay. uh, another one, Kyle Phillips, also not practicing yet this week with a hamstring. Ooh. Interesting one there. Kevin Rader with an illness. Tier Tart just with rest and a personal. And then Jeffrey Simmons, Josh Wiley, and uh, Daniel Brunskill, all, all DMPs or very limited in their participation in practice so far. Easton, give me your give me your thousand foot view on, on the injury situation right now with this team and who you are hopeful still finds their way onto the field. So a number of these are are expected, right? We know that Simmons and Wiley are out. Um, with Tart, I find it curious because this is the second week now where he's missed some practices. This week, it's been every practice, non-injury related personal reasons that not sure that could be something could be nothing. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but I do find it curious. Uh, the most concerning guy on here, shockingly is Jack Gibbons to me. That's not because Jack Gibbons is an incredible weapon for this defense. That's not what I'm saying, but it does mean that if you don't have him out there alongside Aziz Al-Shayir, you're either getting a lot more of, um, of, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. They just re-signed him. Um, the the udfa tk mcclendon no he was a big yeah look this up for me because i'm totally blanking on his name uh, he was like this year's dr gibby for for vrabel who really mm. liked him in in the preseason and i just cannot um, remember who caleb murphy no no or otis reese otis reese yes. that's who i'm thinking of that was great great radio yeah. sorry thanks for bearing with me there folks otis reese it means you might get a lot more of rookie udfa otis reese and you might get a lot more. Who I mean, who even else is on the depth chart? Who am I forgetting? Um, um, Caleb Murphy as well, but then also yeah, Travis no, uh, Gibson. Uh, and oh, Luke, Luke Gifford. Luke Gifford as well. Luke Gifford, yes. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot more of either Gifford or Reese, um, neither of which are a guy that you really want to see a ton of defensive snaps from, but you're going to have to if you don't have if you don't have Dr. Gibby out there. Um, so that's a big one to pay attention to. Um, who else? Oh, Kayvon Wallace. I think it's sneaky important for them to have him. He's looked good on the field, like surprisingly good to me. I my expectations, my expectations for him were, were low, uh, but he he's been a contributor when he's played the past two weeks, and I think that they could really use him on the back end um, in general. So those are the two that that most stick out to me. Kyle Phillips, man, I just what I don't know what is there to say. Just the injury of the injury thing. If he if he turns out to be a player that is really good in theory, and and I continue to say he's good, he's good, he's good when he's healthy, and he just is never healthy, and he just can never stay healthy. That sucks, and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but it appears he's continuing to deal with issues. Maybe he'll play and, and prove me wrong, but I, at this point, I, I'm just sad. Yes. <laughs> I'm and, about the Texans injuries. Yeah, and then we can move on to the Texans, and this is the biggest one right here. I'm going to list for you the, the players that uh, have gone two straight days now without practicing. A lot of them. Will Anderson. Blake Cashman, Nico Collins, George Fant, C.J. Stroud, Travier Thomas, and uh, Laramie Tunsil actually was upgraded to a full participation. But the guys before him have not um, have not practiced. So the big one there on the defensive side of the ball, Will Anderson, right. having him out and not out there would With be an ankle huge. Injury. High ankle, um, high he, he, it would be huge for for the Titans this week in that offensive line. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Nico Collins with that calf that. Uh, came out of that game, and a lot of uh, sources were fearing the worst for his injury. Um, has not practiced yet, and then C.J. Stroud continues to be in concussion protocol. Um, so, so yeah, you could be looking at a, a defense for the Texans without 
uh, Will Anderson, and then a Texans offense where, like we said, Noah Brown and um, and uh, Robert Woods. Receiver? Yeah, okay. Robert Woods is the is the top is the top two options right. for and Noah the Brown, by Texans. the way, who's been limited this week with an injury of his own, a knee injury, um, so he won't even be a hundred percent. Yes, he plays. The guys that stick out most there that you mentioned, uh, George Fant and Tunsil both being on the list, both bookend tackles for this team. They need at least one. Yep. I know which one I prefer. Uh, one of them is a top two tackle in the league, and one is a, a rental veteran. It looks like they're going to get the better one uh, based on today's practice report where, where he was full. So that's good news for the Texans. But no George Fant on their side. I'm not sure what the backup situation looks like. I'd imagine it's not pretty considering they've already had a decent amount of offensive line triage as it is this year and they're not super deep at that position, nobody really is, that could be a very good thing for the continued success of the Titans' pass rush, which has, dare I say, put a couple of games together at this point. Yeah, and we can move on now to a couple of moves that the the Titans made earlier this week. Uh, first of all, Kyle Pecco and Christian Fulton both were placed on injured reserve. Um Talking about Christian Fulton a little bit, this almost signals that basically he has played his last snaps probably as yep. a Tennessee Titan. Yep. Um, and then the the Titans also signed a couple of guys to the act from practice squads to their active roster. First of all, defensive lineman Quentin Bohanna from Detroit's practice squad. And then uh, defensive lineman Kendrick Coburn from the Kansas City's practice squad is actually a guy that we talked about a little bit uh, during the, tra- the draft process, but he was on Kansas City's practice squad. Um, what do you make of at least the the moves here, placing Christian Fulton and Kyle Pecco on the injured reserve? So Pecco was was uh, you can see that one coming based off of his injury, unfortunately getting carted off Monday night. Um, Fulton, I'm not super surprised by though. Apparently he was surprised by that when he was told by the media this week, "Hey, you're on IR," and he said, "I am." Yep, you sure are. Um, so he won't be playing again for the Titans this season, and uh, like you said, I'd imagine not again ever. Um, so. So long farewell, Christian Fulton, I'm assuming. But uh, the guys they added, it's interesting. Obviously, you're, you're trying to continue to you, – you've lost. Kyle Pecco was, was a nice, familiar depth piece for you for a guy like Jeffrey Simmons who's out right now. You're going to need somebody else rotation-wise to fill that gap. And uh, Coburn we found fascinating in the draft. Uh, so I think that that was clearly a guy that was on their draft board. They said, let's go get that guy. See, you know, Let's just see what's, what's going on, see if he can contribute for us. Don't know anything about Bohanna, to be honest with you. So we'll see if either of those guys are active on uh, on Sunday afternoon, and if so, what what they look like out there. Yeah, and let's talk about how much turnover that this Titans team could possibly be in for next season. Currently, uh, the most 2023 snaps that have been played, uh, who are by players who are set to hit free agency, Tennessee leads the league in that stat with 44%. So 44% of this roster who is currently taking snaps are, are going to be free agents. That's almost half kids. Uh, could be a, it could be a bad thing for depth, but also could be a good thing well, with how bad this, this, the, the talent you look at the list of who those guys are. Um, it becomes a lot less upsetting to tight. If you're a Titans fan, that number should concern you, but then you look at who it is in question here, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot less concerning. Um, it's the guys that you want pushed out. Their contracts are expiring. For, I mean, you've got some Derrick Henrys in there and um, you know some NWIs in there who wouldn't mind keeping around. But in general, it's the guys who are designed to be pushed out by the new regime. And so that's like, it's not a mistake that they're all coming up for new contracts with somebody this offseason because the Titans are ready to say, thank you for your service. Goodbye. Um, and so 
it's a, it's good news ultimately for the Titans. And if you're a fan of Rand Carthon, and I don't know how you can't be based on what he's done so far, especially in the draft, it's good news because that's a lot of cash coming like that. We keep talking about it. The Titans have $80 million, $100 million in cap cash. That's where it's coming from. All these guys coming off the books. And so he's going to get to put those dollars towards guys that are his guys. He's going to get to put draft picks of his into the position to play in the, in the role that those guys were playing. And so that's very good news for a team that is turning the page, that is going to be young and new and fresh and trying to build around a young rookie quarterback. That's, that's good. And I think fans should celebrate the fact that we are officially coming to the end of the John Robinson era, as well as the end of the, uh, the first era of this Titans team identity player personnel wise in the Mike Vrabel coaching era. Yeah, and then finally, let's talk about a rooting guide for, for the Titans this week. It's, and it's complicated. Boys and girls, if you're interested in this, get out your pens and pe- paper right now. So you can figure out who to put in your pick em, uh, your pick'em pools and whatnot sure, this week. Uh, but let's talk about draft If you're position. doing pick'em based on who you need to win, I don't know if you're going to win your league. Exactly, but, but at least if you're rooting for the Titans who have a better draft position this week, you, you want all the underdogs to win this week, essentially. So exactly. Las Vegas tonight. Uh, the Jets, Giants, Chicago, and the Commanders to all take care of business would help the Titans um, in their draft position battle this season. And then, God forbid, if you are still holding out hope for the Tennessee Titans to make the playoffs, not dead, JT. who I believe They're are at a one percent chance right now. Uh, it's either one um, or less than one. They they would need that. Minnesota to beat Cincinnati, Minnesota, Pittsburgh to beat the Indianapolis Colts, Detroit to beat Denver. Dallas to beat Buffalo, Chicago to beat Cleveland, and Baltimore to beat Jacksonville. And it's funny, I, I saw this is all based on a tweet from our buddy Justin Graver. You can go if you want this, right? And go to Justin Graver's uh, social media accounts, I guess. But I, I saw this from him. I, I trust this is real. But then I was like, I wonder what all of those things like. If if everything went perfectly for the Titans, playoff position based on this chart, what how does it improve their numbers? So I went to the New York Times playoff machine. And currently, as constituted, the Titans are a less than 1% chance to get in. If they win this weekend, they become a full 1% chance. You get that less than taken away. And then if all of those things happen, uh, I, some of the simulations I ran, they bumped them to 2%. Ooh. Ooh. That's double. Listen, that's doubling your chances. Yes. That is double. Um, and in some, it just didn't change it. So I also went through, just for reference, and if the Titans, regardless of any other outcome, so the Titans go four and down the stretch. They beat the Texans twice, the Jaguars at home, and the Seahawks at home. Do they um, have a significantly better chance of getting the playoffs? Yes, it's significantly better, but is it good? No, it's fifteen percent if they win out. So they need to win out, and a, a lot of things bunch of things happen. to go their way. A bunch of teams in front of them to really fall apart. So again, they're not. Don't hold your breath. Please don't do that to yourself. Um, but they are technically not dead. Yes. And that's going to do it for our news section. All right, today. that's producer JT with that news. And that leaves us with just one segment to get to. The Best Bet Gauntlet, my favorite segment of the week. It's where JT and I go through and pick draft style, our five favorite sides for this week's NFL slate. We are approaching week 15, and JT and I both went three and two last week. A tie means I still have the tee box here because he beat me two weeks ago. And so I'm going to kick us off with my first pick of the Week 15 Best Bet Gauntlet. Oh, by the way, I'm very sorry. Our updated records on the year. JT maintains a two-game lead on me. Uh, two and a half, I think. Yeah, two and a half game lead, actually. Uh, I am 44-34-2 and two on the year. Very successful. JT, a blazing 46-30-3 and three on the year. So both of us doing very well, making you a lot of money. 
looking to continue that trend this week. I believe we've had three consecutive weeks where we have not just made money, but made us like probably, I think this is our best three week span of the year that we're coming off of. So let's make it four. And with that, my first pick of the week 15 best bet gauntlet I'm taking once again for the 14th consecutive week. Uh, the buy was in there taking the Tennessee Titans minus two versus Houston. This is why it pays to follow the best bet gauntlet, just not on, uh, not just on the show, but on social media where we tell you during the week on Tuesday and Wednesday, when the lines are set, we occasionally tag hashtag best bet gauntlet and at hot read pod on social media. If you ever want to just search for them to make sure you don't miss them lines that we expect to move the reasons why, and we lock in those numbers ahead of time telling you the people, Hey, grab these two. I put out three this week and uh, two of them were in fact moving. Uh, did and it did in fact end up moving the, the wrong way. If you wanted that side, you didn't get closing line value. So I hope you took it with me. One of those was Tennessee minus two against Houston this weekend. This is now at three. Once we're sure it's Davis Mills, and once we're sure about a lot of these uh, injury situations on both sides uh, of, of this matchup, we know who's in and out. It's not inconceivable that could become even more, become a three and a half, four. I don't think it will be, but I doubt it ever comes back down off the three. I still don't mind it at the three, but at the two, I love this spot. Very simple. Tennessee at home. They are the better team if Davis Mills is playing for this Houston team. Houston is very banged up. They aren't the more desperate team. Houston's going to be giving them their all because they need this win to keep their playoff hopes vibrant. But I think the Tennessee has a lot of momentum coming off of that Monday night win. They're going to have a lot. I think psychologically that win did more for them than anything. The fact that they now realize we can go on the road and beat the Miami Dolphins, one of the most explosive teams, one of the worst mismatched teams for us in particular in the league. If we can do that, we can, we can beat anybody. We can certainly beat the Texans, who a lot of te- players on this team have beaten up on in the past. Let's keep it going. And the energy that young guys like Will Levis and Tajay Spears, clearly and obviously based on a lot of video that was released this week, both of those guys bring a ton of psychotic, competitive, fiery energy to the sidelines. It's infectious. You had guys like Harold Landry this week saying, I saw Will Levis screaming, going veiny Hulk mode on the sideline. I didn't know he had that in them, in that it had that in him. And I love it. That kind of thing's infectious. I think this team's going to ride high on his leadership. And then they get it done and they win by a field goal. Give me Tennessee minus two hosting Houston. Yeah, with my first pick here, I locked this one in actually earlier when the line finally moved. Uh, it's no brainer for me, though. I'm taking the New York Giants and Danny, De- uh, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> not his cousin, Danny. Yeah, not, not, not his not cousin, Danny. Um, Tommy Cutlets. Yeah, Tommy here. Cutlets in the New York Giants plus six going to the New Orleans Saints. Listen, I think the I just plain out think the Giants are currently the better team right now. Um, and if you want a couple of trends, well, that and also more importantly, who is New Orleans to be giving six points to anybody? Exactly, they are a bad team. They are a bad team. And uh, if you want a couple of trends here, the Saints against the spread recently in their last fifteen is four, ten, and one, dating back to twenty twenty two. The Saints are also one and five against the spread at home this season. Um, and they also have the second worst home against the spread record since 2021, going six and 15 against the spread. I'm buying the hot team. I'm not looking to sell them just yet because I just frankly think that is too many points for this this Saints team to cover with. So I'm taking the Giants plus six. I love that. Before we get to my next bet, I just noticed in the comments here, Kenneth pointing out uh, our discussion on the Titans playoff odds there a moment ago. It's like that scene in, in uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail. Uh, I'm not dead yet. Yes, you are. I'm feeling better. No, you're not. Uh, that's the tightest playoff odds. With, with the second 
with my second pick of the week 15 best bet gauntlet. Um, I like that pick, by the way. Not to totally disagree. I'm, I'm with you on the They're Giants good. in that one. I'm with you. Um, it's it's Cowboys fight clock for my second pick. I'm, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, another line that I locked in earlier this week. It didn't move the way I thought it would, and that's not shocking in hindsight. Dallas is always going to get overbet by zealous Cowboys fans, of which there are too many. Um, and so that number's kind of stayed right there, but I don't mind. I'm, it's great. So if you didn't get it earlier, you can get the same number now. It's Buffalo minus two at home hosting the Cowboys. I have all year long. Not just preached, but also made money off of the idea that this Cowboys team beats bad teams. And a funny, mostly joke, but also kind of wink, wink, like maybe thing that was going around this week was maybe the Cowboys still haven't beaten a good team. They beat up on the Eagles last week. Uh, they beat up on the, or they, they barely beat the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. Those are the most two, the two most recent games. Um, and they, I believe, still don't have a winning record against uh, teams that have a winning record that they've played this year. And so I just am going with the more desperate team that I also think in this case happens to be the better team. I think Buffalo is a, they're both good teams. Don't me wrong. They're both tending teams. I think Buffalo is better than they are. I think that defense is continuing to settle down after they've got their backups in there for a couple of weeks. They're starting to find their roles and settle in. I think that Josh Allen is the better quarterback, although you've got a matchup of two, in my opinion, two front runners for the MVP this year. Um, and so I, I think that it's going to be a tight one that Buffalo ends up winning. I'm just giving them the, the home field advantage. You're playing outdoors in December in Buffalo, New York. Dallas is not quite used to that. I think that Buffalo gets the edge here. They're more desperate. They need this win because they need everyone at this point. I mean, Buffalo minus two hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, with my next pick, I'm taking the Motor City Kitties. And you might be saying, why? Uh, because this is the bottom of the market, I think, once I again. For, for them, I'm taking them minus four and a half this against the red-hot Denver Broncos. Top just, market. Just, li- just like last week, and I should have stayed with my Seahawks pick. I was a little too scared of Drew Locke, <laughs> but they still found a way to cover. Oh, I didn't even notice that they covered. You're totally yes, right. Yes, um, but... Detroit minus four and a half here. I hope it gets back down to the four. I'll be looking out for that. I wish I could get it at the flat four, but alas, um, either way, um, going up against Denver, this is, this is once again, another spot where I'm selling high on the Denver Broncos and buying low on, on the um, Detroit lions. Uh, Goff after a straight up loss with the lions is 15 and eight against the spread, including four uh, or 11 and four, against the spread when that game was played at home. They're on the road this week, but I still really, really like um, what he's doing this year. Um, Jared Goff has had a couple of bad games, but this team is still very much in contention for for uh, an outside shot at the one seed. They still need Where to... Where have those bad games been played, by the way? Outside. Ah, Jared Goff, the outdoor pumpkin, returns yes. to the indoor. Yes. Um, I mean, it seems silly, but it's a... It's, we've got a large sample size that says it's a very big deal for this guy. Don't ask me why. And so, and so with this, all this being said, this team has to get back on track if they want to even continue to win the division. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take the Detroit. All the, is it, yeah, this is the spot for the buy low, sell high situation um, with, with these two teams. So I'll be making that bet alongside you with my third pick of the week 15 best bet. Gauntlet. Give me Minnesota minus, or excuse me, plus three and a half at the Cincinnati Bengals. This is another one that I told you to lock in early. I'm not sure you can still get the three and a half right now. I think it's at a flat three. Maybe you wait, see if you can get it at three and a half before the, the game starts on Sunday. But I think that Minnesota is the play here when you're getting that hook. Absolutely. Minnesota plus three and a half is the play because of this. 
This is a matchup between Nick Mullins and Jake Browning. Trying to catch. This is the opposite of the catch of the falling knives. I don't know. Popping the rising balloon? Something like that? Uh, we'll workshop that. I, it, it, it's going to come eventually a day that Jake Browning falls back to. Like, it, it has to. It has to. Unless he's just a starter in the league now, which if you want to believe that, you'd be my guest. I'm, I'm not in yet. Give me some more of Jake Browning before we made that decision. Uh, I, I think that this is the spot. You've got confirmation, like, in a grocery store last night from uh, Justin Jefferson. Like, he was shopping with kids for a holiday thing, which is great. But it was just funny. He told the media that was there. He's like, oh, yeah. Actually, I think one of the kids asked, are you playing on something? He's like, yep. Playing. <laughs> okay. Well, there, there's some news. Justin yep. Jefferson's playing. That's a big deal for a guy like, like uh, Nick Mullins who's going to be trying to pass the ball out there. Assuming he plays, I see these offenses as equals, really. And I think it comes down to who has the better defense. And that brings up my main point. The Vikings have the better defense here. Love what Big Lou Anarumo does. Like, big fan of Big Lou. Do not get me wrong. But Brian Flores, what he's done with this Vikings defense this year has gone really underplayed outside, outside of Minnesota. He's been a maniac. And I think the performance that he's put up with a pretty mediocre cast of characters for the, the Vikings defense he's done a really, really nice job. They're playing above their weight. And uh, he's sneaky done one of the best coaching jobs of the year is what I wrote down here. Um, I, I just, his style is absolute wild man pressures. And that works against bad quarterbacks. Like Jake Browning's going to be on the move all night long. It's going to require him to do some things that he's not done in the past couple of starts that he's had. And I don't think it's going to go super well for him. So for that reason, give me Minnesota plus three and a half at your Cincinnati Bengals. And I hate to say it, but I don't think you're wrong about yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with my next pick here, I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams finally back at home uh, playing the Washington Commanders coming off their bye. And this one's pretty simple. I think Ron Rivera is on his way out uh, of Washington. Yep. I think this team is pretty much given up on this year, even though Sam Howell has been looking pretty promising this year with a pretty bad cast of characters. This is a Los Angeles team that is not dead in the slightest. Um, and now we're coming back home to face what I think is probably one of the worst secondaries in the league in this Washington Commanders uh, secondary. Yes. With that being said, I really do like L.A. What they've, what they've done all <laughs> yeah. season. Um, once again, they played a very, very good game in the rain uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Now this time. They get to be at home playing a team that is much worse than the Ravens. I'm expecting them to take care of business and win by a touchdown or more. Yeah, I'm with you on that one with my fourth pick of the week. 15 best bet gauntlet. I'm going with Chicago plus three at Cleveland. Now I'm going to wait to bet this one until I know I can't get a three and a half. I think it's possible it's coming on this Cleveland team. Some square betters bump it back up for me because I love the hook, but I'm still comfortable taking it at the three either way. A couple of reasons why this Bears team has gone really under the radar because they're not that good and they've been a pain to watch for a long time. They've been playing pretty good ball the past couple, mm -hmm. of, like really the past month, yep. and they've been playing with house money because they got the number one seed locked down. No matter whether they win, lose, or draw, shout out the Carolina Panthers for that. So they're chilling um, draft wise. There's no incentive to tank, and they've been playing well. Justin Fields playing for his job, really. The coaching staff. Definitely playing for their, coaching their jobs. And I'm sure there are many players on that team that feel like they are having to play for their jobs because of the uh, the, the turnover this team is, is going to experience in the next couple of years. Joe Flacco on the other side of the ball. They just signed him, the Browns did, to a, a, a one-year deal. He's going to be their guy for the rest of the year. He's a fun story, don't get me wrong. I love seeing 
geriatric Joe Flacco, just loving ball, playing ball. Still got an arm. Definitely still has an arm. Uh, but he's going to be behind an offensive line this weekend that just lost their third offensive tackle this year. So they're down to tackle four and five. I don't care what team you're on and what depth they have. That's a recipe for disaster. Yep. Um, and he is the worst possible quarterback you want to put behind that situation because he is the biggest statue in the league right now. He can't, he's 38. He's Joe Flacco. He couldn't move when he was healthy. He can't move now. Um, and so and their center got hurt last week too, by the way. You, you've got a really banged up team across the board for Cleveland. Uh, Jerome Ford running back. He's banged up. Safety uh, Grant Delpit moved to IR this week. Uh, you got a couple of defensive line, starting defensive linemen and a depth defensive lineman both hurt and questionable this weekend. The Bears, for their part, essentially completely healthy and mobile quarterbacks. One last note on Justin Fields. We know this Browns defense has been vicious. and It's going to be a, the, easily the toughest challenge that this Bears offense has, has faced in their kind of resurgence here at the end of the year. The one thing that has given the Browns defense issues this year consistently has been mobile quarterback play. That is what Justin Fields is. I expect them. I, I think they're going to win this game outright. I really do. I think it's going to be one of the bigger upsets of the week and catch some folks off guard. But I certainly like the cover situation here. Give me Chicago plus three at Cleveland. I think it's interesting that you're going against the elite quarterback in this matchup, but I'll give that one to you because I because I also like it. I am. Uh, with, sport, man. Yes, with my next pick, I am going with Indianapolis minus one and a half that at knows. home against Pittsburgh. And you might be thinking, thinking back to last week, and you said, "Wait, JT, you just said that this team uh, was a, was frauds not not too long ago." Yes, yes. this is the fraud bowl. I, I think this is the fraud this bowl. Is the this fraud is bowl. the fraud off. And if I just have to pick a team straight up, I'm going with Gardner Minshew over Mitchell Trubisky, who looked god awful. They go on the road once again to Indianapolis, which you I don't think want is, to ride the Mitch train. Uh, I, I just, to. I just can't. You said this was gross, and you were saying I might bet against you, and I was like, do well, it. And then I thought please, about it for a second. Then I thought about it. Please and realized bet. I'm not hopping on the Mitch train. Uh, this is this is definitely the square side of it this week, but I, I'm going to take it because um, I've done it all season. There have been a couple square sides that I, I just frankly have have liked. Um, this a, and this certified is certified JT is sharps are dumb play. Yes. Right this here. is the sharps are dumb play of the week. Um, I just, I can't do it, man. I can't, uh, I can't bet, I can't bet with, uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, another interesting note when Minshew's opponent scores more than 20 points, he is, uh, two and 17 straight up after losing to the Bengals last week. This is a Steelers team that averages 16.2 points a game. I think this, Check that box, this, uh, that checks the box. This, this favors me in this matchup and this, uh, Indianapolis Colts team is truly playing for something, uh, in for my monies right now. Uh, for the head coach of the year candidate in Shane Steichen. So sure. give me the Colts just to win this one outright. I dig it. I, I think I'm with you on that after I gave it some thought. I'll probably just not be betting yep, it personally. That's but for the sake of the gauntlet, I probably will, I'll sprinkle a little on Indy and be rooting for you. Um, with my fifth and final pick of the week 15 best bet gauntlet, give me the grossest. This is, folks, don't don't lose consciousness. Don't cut yourself with, with uh, a knife if you're chopping up food right now for dinner. Like, Careful when I say this, okay? Is everybody ready? Going with New England, plus seven and a half at home against Kansas City. The reason I'm picking this is because this time of year, professional bettors clean up on making the picks that nobody wants to touch. And there is not a side on this slate for my money that is less attractive to, to a surface level evaluation of the matchup than New England versus Kansas City. Think about what we've heard this week. The Kansas City, the way that they lost the Bills last weekend, crying Mahomes, angry Mahomes, 
that team having to deal with that drama this, this week, they're, they have every motivation in the world to come out and just waylay a bad team, just, just take out their frustrations on them. For the Patriots' part, these reports from Tom Curran that it's been decided for like months now that Belichick's out after this year. So what, he's, what is he actually playing for? What's he actually coaching for? This team's still going through real quarterback issues with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. It's gross. There feels like there's no reason to bet this game. That's why I'm going to bet this game. Because that's what you have to do this time of year to, 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 to make the money. I know that there's a couple of... It's been a while since I mentioned the syndicates. There's two syndicates that I know of. Big money syndicates this, this week that have very significant exposure on this New England side. I'm going to add myself to that list. Um, we know historically, Kansas City, Mahomes, very good at covering when he's under that three-point uh, number as a favorite. When he's over a three-point favorite, he's very bad. When he's over a, a, a touchdown favorite, even worse. And that's the case here. I also am going to wait to bet this one because it wouldn't shock me at all if the public sees this as the most obvious pick of the week. They bump that number up and up and up to eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. Make my day, make it a 10. I dare you to make it a 10. They're not going to, but I'm begging the people to come in heavy on this one. It's going to be New England plus seven and a half versus Kansas City, and we're going to hope and pray. Yeah, uh, and with my last pick, this is one I've gone back and forth on because it was the only other one that I really, really thought had had inside, and I've gone back and forth on it all day. But I'm taking, off. Um, but I, I'm taking Baltimore minus three and a half, hoping it gets back down to the flat three. Um, but I still feel okay with with, with the will, three and a half. Way. It's trending. Um, so w- with that, I, I really do think that this Baltimore team is the better team in this matchup. Going on to prime time, I think Lamar Jackson, they had a scare last week, but I think they're going to continue to seize the uh, the opportunity that the Miami Dolphins gave them last week and, and sup- plant themselves as the number one seed in the AFC. They're going up against a, a Jacksonville team that still is banged up, but I think has been a little fraudulent all season. And kind of we, we've been a little bit right that this team has some nice offensive weapons, but outside of that, what else do they really have? Right. And that continues to be the trend here with the the Jacksonville Jaguars, despite them being at home here. I like Lamar to take care of business in this one. I think this Baltimore team is just the better team front to back. And I'm going to take them either at three or minus three and a half. All right. So to recap, JT is rocking with the giants plus six at new Orleans, Detroit minus four and a half at home against Denver, the Rams minus six and a half at home against Washington, Indy minus one and a half at home against Pittsburgh and Baltimore minus three and a half at Jacksonville. My picks this week, I'm going with Tennessee minus two at home against Houston. Buffalo minus two at home against Dallas. Minnesota plus three and a half at Cincinnati. Chicago plus three at Cleveland. And New England plus seven and a half at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. That is our best bet gauntlet for the week 15. And that is our show for this Thursday evening. Big thank you to everybody that tuned in with us live today. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Hot Repod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram for all of your show updates and notifications and content. Until Sunday afternoon, after JT and I are there watching the Titans, excuse me, the Oilers and the Texans battle this weekend, we'll be live back to our regularly scheduled uh, between the afternoon slate before Sunday Night Football live show recapping everything that happened in the Titans-Texans matchup. Until then, for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you this weekend.